0: Are you ready for the word today? Well, all year, I mean, all this year, we've been preaching a sermon series on uh, discipleship. It's called Forward in Faith. And we've used the word forward as an an acrostic. And and, and so the the letter stands for follow, obey, reach, worship, abide, resist, and disciple. And all those are actions. Those are actions. Can you say action? It's not just stuff to know. These are actions to take if we're going to move forward in discipleship, move forward in our growth in the Lord, grow stronger and more mature as as believers. And today we're beginning this last section uh, on the word disciple. And, and as we have learned, uh, being a disciple is the goal of your life. It's the purpose of your life. Yes, you must do other things, but discipleship is a priority. And we get this from Jesus himself, before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples this in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And as we've seen over this series, this command is for all believers for all time. It wasn't just for those 12, and well, we've shown you that in past sermons. That means it's for you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this command is for you. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them all that Jesus commanded. Jesus wants you not just to be a disciple, he wants you to be a disciple maker. There's a progression here from becoming a believer in Jesus Christ to becoming a disciple of Christ, a follower it's so one thing to be a believer. It's another thing to actually follow him in his ways and his commands. And, but Jesus wants you to take the next step and become a disciple maker. You've got to become a disciple, and, and, and there are things that disciples must do. So I'm preaching today a, mess, a message entitled, Discipleship Demands Doing. I got three amens, and that's why I agonized over that title. I really did. I, I, I agonized over that title. Like, what should, what should I call this? Because I was going to try to tone it down in some way. Because I know, I know, as soon as I use the word demand, you know, it's, something's going to rise up in a lot of people. <laughs> well, you're not telling me what to do. Well, it's not me. I mean, I'm hopefully giving you the word of the Lord this morning. And as we saw earlier, Jesus said to teach everything He commands. Another word for demand, right? You with me? So discipleship demands doing. And I know some some people say, well, we are human beings, not human doings. Well, that's true. We are human beings. But as humans, there are things we must do. There are things we must do. And and there are some people who only concentrate on and teach positional truth, who we are in Christ. And, And they never get around to speaking about our condition, we have a position. Spiritually, we are righteous in Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places. There are all these things we have and we are in Christ. But, uh, but our condition has some uh, changing that it needs to do. And, and so uh, uh, we, we don't do in order to be born again. We believe in order to be born again. We're saved by faith, not by works. But once we're saved by faith, The Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 2, they are works which God has foreordained us to do. We're not saved by works, we're saved for works. We're not saved by what we do, but when we're saved, there are some things we must do as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Once we're saved, uh, there are works for us to do. Remember, faith without works is? And a lot of people want faith without any work. They want to have the faith and be a believer, but never do anything that it takes to follow Christ or to grow in Christ or to become strong in their their faith. It, It always requires exercising your spiritual muscles. Remember I told you there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. Believers are saved and going to heaven, but many believers never become disciples because they never progress beyond infancy. They stay babies in Jesus Always needing to be held by somebody else. Always needing to be fed by somebody else. Never at a place where they're able to walk on their own or, or, or feed themselves or do the things that Jesus called us to do. Discipleship is about a changed life. That To have a changed life, it means you've got to change some things that you do. A lot of people want things to change. They just don't want to change anything. They don't want to have to do anything that requires change. And by the way, teaching, like standing up here today, teaching and preaching, th- those are part of discipleships, discipleship. But if you do not put teaching into action, all you receive is information without any transformation. We could deliver the greatest sermons you ever heard in your life, and you could say, wow, that's good preaching, and walk out of here never changed unless you become a doer of the word. And remember, in the Bible, a disciple is one who sits at the feet of another to learn what they know and to become who they are. That's what the disciples did with Jesus. They were with him. They sat at his feet, not just to know what he knew, but to become like him. And and that transformation, that change in our lives requires faith, it requires vision, and it requires action. A, A true disciple is a doer of the word, not just a hearer. In fact, you remember the Bible says that if you hear the word and you don't do it, uh, you're like somebody who sees their face in a mirror, and and they goes out and forget what they look like, and it says that. And the Bible says there in James that that person deceives themselves. Life transformation. So I want to expand your view of discipling. It's more than just a one-on-one thing. It is one-on-one, but it also happens in worship. There's discipling that happened today in worship. There's discipling that happens in sermons. There's discipling that happens in small groups. There's discipling that happens in classes. Discipleship happens in so many different ways. And and some Christians think that that discipleship is just about learning and memorizing. That's what they think. All I got to do is hear what Jesus said and and memorize what Jesus said, and and then I grow in my faith. Listen, yes, you need to know what Jesus said, but you need to do what Jesus did. And you need to do what Jesus told us to do. Discipleship demands doing. I think about when my children were younger and living at home. And, and if I told them to clean their room, I was going to check later if they actually cleaned their room or not. You know, you've got to inspect what you expect. And if I was in a room and the room was still messy, I would ask them, did you hear what I... Told you to do, and they can say, Oh, yes, Father, I heard what you said. I heard, I could repeat it back to you, Father. I memorized it, I memorized what you told me to do. You said, Clean your room, and I would look at them and say, Now, why is your room still messy? And they can say, But, Dad, not only did I memorize it, I memorized it in the original Greek. And I would say, but why is your room still messy? And they'd say, but Dad, we memorized it. We memorized it in Greek. We even wrote a song about what you said to do. Come on. Clean your room. Clean your room. Your father says to clean your room. And I'd be like, but why is your room still messy? I said, I wrote a song too. Whoop your rear. Whoop your rear. If you don't clean your room, your father who loves you is going to whoop your rear. Yes, we spanked our children. And they would clean their room. But so many of us, I'm telling you that because it's it's an example of what so many Christians do. But, Lord, I read your word. But, Lord, I heard your word. But, Lord, I memorized your word. But, but Lord, I, I memorized it in the original language. But, Lord, I, I sing songs about about it. But as, as as followers of Christ, we can't settle for just hearing the word or knowing, knowing the word or, or memorizing the word. We've got to do all those things, but we must then do the word. In fact, Jesus said this. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? He's not your Lord if you don't do what he demands. He's not your Lord if you don't do what he commands. He might be your Savior, but Lordship is something different here. Lord is somebody you bow your knee to and say, Yes, Lord, whatever you say, Lord, I will do. And Jesus expects us as his followers to do what he says. I know this is a popular teaching today. But I'm not here to win a popularity contest today. I'm here to teach you the uncompromising truth of God's word. And you see what Jesus said. If I'm your Lord, you will do what I say. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Discipleship's learning what he said in order to do what he said, in order to become like who he is. So when we preach something, if you're new here, if you've been here this year, you've seen we're, we're in 20 weeks now on this series on discipleship, we don't just do some kind of superficial overview of a topic. We want to dive deep into the word and spend time getting this message in us, inside of us and then worked into our lives. We want to help you do what we teach. So today I'm going to give you a short little review of what we've taught over the last 20 weeks before we begin this last part of this series. Uh, And and I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself. You're not going to have to answer out loud or to anybody else. It's between you and God, but I want you to be honest with yourself about whether you are being a doer of the Word or just a hearer. Whether you're being a disciple, a follower of Christ, or are you just someone who believes in Jesus and believes things about Him, but you don't really truly follow Him. And we started out this series actually at the end of December and in January about what it means to follow Christ. Once we're born again, we begin this lifelong process of of following Christ called discipleship. So I want you to ask yourself today, are, are you truly following Jesus? Are you following His example? Are you following His commands? Are you being transformed into His image? Are you progressively becoming more and more like Him? I know none of us are perfect in this, but are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your following of Jesus? Are you becoming more and more like Him? And then after teaching on following Christ, we taught on the blessing of obeying Christ. There's a blessing in obedience the commands of God are for our good. They are to bless us. So I want to ask you, ask yourself, are you truly obeying him or are there areas of your life where you're, you're living in active disobedience or rebellion against God? And by the way, those commands that Jesus gave us, those, those commands include making other disciples. Go make disciples. Are you, are you obeying that? Then we taught up about how to do that, how to reach others for Christ. We can't disciple people until they become believers. We can't teach them until we reach them. Are you witnessing? Are you sharing your faith with others? The vast majority of Christians, 90-something percent, never ever share their faith with anyone. Are you sharing your faith. Are you telling others about Jesus? Are you giving your testimony? Then we talked about how worship is a big part of discipleship. A lot of people don't understand that, but we talked about how how discipleship begins with beholding the Lord. As as we behold him, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, we are changed into his likeness uh, uh, from glory to glory. And so we've got to behold the Lord in his word. We've got to behold the Lord by the spirit. We've got to behold the Lord in prayer. We've got to behold the Lord in his people. You've got to behold the Lord in our worship. Are you beholding the Lord? Are you seeing him? Then we taught on the importance of abiding in Christ. And we learned that apart from him, we can do nothing. So apart from him, we cannot even become like him. And we learned that we abide in Christ. Abide means to live there, to make your home there, to not leave that place. So we abide in his word. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. We are people who live there. We live in the word. We know the word and and, and we abide in prayer and and we abide in a lifestyle, not just a Sunday morning worship, but a lifestyle of worship. Are are you doing that? Then we taught on resisting the enemy. Y'all are real quiet on me now. Trying to help you this morning. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to keep us from being saved in the first place. But if we are born again, when we are born again, he wants to keep us from growing, growing in Christ. He wants to keep us from becoming a m- mature disciple in Christ. He fights all these things I've been talking about. He resists every st- step to grow in Christ. He resists you abiding in Christ. He resists you reading the Word. He resists you wanting to pray. He resists you in worship. That's why sometimes you come in here and it's just hard for you to worship and hard to enter in. The, the, the Satan resists you, you worshiping. He, he resists you ever sharing your faith. He, he resists you obeying Jesus Christ. He resists. He resists. He resists. He resists, he resists, he resists you ever wanting to give. He resists all those things. So you've got to learn to resist the resistance. That's why we taught you to overcome passivity. We taught you how to put on your spiritual armor, how to fight the fight of faith. Are you doing that? I want to remind you again, this, this is a lifelong process. I'm not saying are you perfect in it, but are you taking steps in it? If you're not taking steps in any of these w- ways, I'm sorry to tell you, but you've been a hearer and not a doer of the Word. I love you enough to tell you that. I love you enough to tell you, start somewhere. Start doing The things God tells us to do, and and you will start seeing yourself growing, growing in Christ and growing in your faith. And, And it's so important to understand this because so many believers are excusing themselves from making disciples because they believe they're not ready yet. I know people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and older who still don't think they're ready to make disciples. And most of them have been in church for decades, and some have been in church their whole life. And they've had the word poured in them that people teach them and they still think, well, I'm not ready to, to, to make any disciples. What I want need you to understand today is this: one of the main ways you grow as a disciple is by helping other people's grow. One of the characteristics of great leaders and great disciple makers is they are learners. They're constantly seeking to learn and grow. And listen, you will never be a great leader until you become a great follower. You'll never be in an authority and learn, until you learn how to submit to authority. You'll never be the one giving orders or direction until you first obey orders and direction. You'll never be a teacher until you are teachable. And there are so many ways to learn, reading, attending seminars. One of the best ways, though, when it comes to discipleship is being mentored by someone else who's further along in the faith than you. That's what Jesus did in Mark 3, 14 and 15. It says, Jesus appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Notice that. Jesus called his disciples, first of all, to be with him. And that was a change. If you remember in Acts when the, the disciples were, were taken before the authorities and, and, and they were so impacted or, or amazed by the teaching of the disciples and their answers just as they had been with Jesus, and they said they, said they noted that these men had been with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus in the Word, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship. Spending time with Him is life transforming. Jesus wants all of us as disciples to spend time with Him, spend time in His presence, spend time in His Word. But He also simultaneously sends us out to go and do the works of the kingdom. It wasn't like Jesus taught and trained these guys for three years and then at the end of his life, when he had been crucified and resurrected, and now he was going up to heaven and said, Go and make disciples. That wasn't the first time he had ever sent them out. He repeatedly sent them out. Go, go into these towns. Don't take anything with you. Just trust me to provide. If they receive from you, great. If they don't the, sh- shake the dust off your feet, go to the next town come back to me, and they would come back to him, and they would talk about what happened, and he would give them some discipleship and some, some direction, or, or they, they, he would send them out, and they came back rejoicing that, that devils were subject to their name, and he would, he would then disciple them. He used everything as a discipleship moment. Well, don't rejoice so much that the demons are subject to, to you. Be, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So he's giving them direction as they are doing. He's correcting them. They're arguing among themselves, who's the greatest in the kingdom? He's like, wait a minute. If you want to be great in my kingdom, be the servant of all. Be like this little child over, he used everything as a, a teaching moment. So, so they were with him, but they were also sent from him to do the works of the kingdom. Jesus always has disciples with him. Paul, think about Paul. He almost always had people with him. You can read it in Read it in the Bible. Read it in the books uh, that he wrote, and read it in Acts and other places. You'll never, ever, hardly ever see Paul ministering alone. It was Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy. Read the books, the letters that he wrote. It's Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, my son in the Lord. He he wrote, and and everything he did was with other people, and those people traveled with him, like the disciples traveled with Jesus. They watched him, and they were given assignments to do, and 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 and, and that helped them to develop their potential in the Lord. Likewise, we need to be in relationships with friends and mentors and people who pour into our lives. <clears throat> but listen, we also need what I'm going to call mentees, people who we are pouring into. We need to be disciples and we need to make disciples. And those things, here's what I'm trying to get you to see, happen simultaneously. Yes, I know at the beginning of your walk in the Lord, you are new in the faith. You're born again. You need some time just to learn and to grow in your faith. But I'm telling you, some of the people who reach more people for Jesus are new believers. More than somebody who's been sitting around for 50 years doing nothing. I'm telling you, somebody could be five days in Jesus and they're out there telling everybody about him. And they needed to be discipled on their faith and and doctrine and, and what is true. But they want to share it. In First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How comfortable would you be saying that? Like I would say, follow me, Pastor Joe, as I follow Jesus. Follow Paul as he followed Jesus. Follow Tamika as she follows Jesus. How comfortable? How comfortable are you saying that? And we're we're going to be like, no, don't look at me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. (laughs) Men will always fail you. Don't be looking at me. Paul didn't do it perfectly. One of the things they need to see is how to get up after you fall. One of the things people need to see is how to ask for forgiveness when you do something wrong. But this is what Paul said. Jesus said in Luke six forty, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like his teacher. The point is you won't just know what your teacher knows. You will become like your teacher. Listen, this is exactly what happened with Paul and Timothy. A young man who came to the faith at a young age and his grandmother and his mother poured into him. And from a child, he knew the scriptures. And, and, and Paul took him with him on many journeys and, and mentored him and discipled him. To the point that, listen to this, what Paul tells the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 7. He said, even though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. There's a difference between a teacher and a father. Fathers teach, but not all teachers father. It's a different relationship. It's a more intimate relationship. It's a life lived together. For in Jesus Christ, I became your father through the gospel. Now listen, here's Paul again telling the church at Corinth. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Follow me. Listen, you listening? For this reason... For you to follow me, right? So we're talking about? Three of you got it. Are we talking about following Paul's example? That's half of you. Are we talking about following Paul's example? Okay. For that reason, I'm sending you Timothy, my son who I love, who is faithful in the Lord, He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul said, I want you to become like me. That's why I'm your father, not just your teacher. I am your teacher, but I'm father in Christ. uh, Christ. So in order for you to become like me, I'm sending Timothy to you. What? We want you, Paul. We want you back. Paul's like, no, I, I'm sending you Timothy. I trust Timothy. Why? Paul, Timothy had been discipled by Paul and to the point that he became like Paul. So in effect, if you heard Timothy speaking, you were hearing Paul. If you were looking at Timothy's life, you were seeing Paul. Now, I know we all want to just say in our... Some kind of righteous humility uh, that, that, well, when you look at me, we, we, we want the people to see Jesus. Well, Paul said, follow my example as I follow Christ. So Christ had been poured into Paul, and Paul had poured into Timothy. And Timothy now was pouring into them. And this passage gives us a broader picture of, uh, of disciple making because it's not just instructing. It's not just teaching. It's also a form of spiritual parenting. And parents, you know, you got to have a different relationship with people in order to parent them. Because it's one thing for me to teach you from here; it's another thing to start singing to you, "Whoop your rear." <laughs> that was my children. I didn't. This was other people's children. We got to have a broader picture of, of disciple making. And so many people, what happens in churches and what dooms churches to smallness is a mindset that these pastors, these senior pastors, have to do all the ministry. And the only ones that people can receive from are, are the senior pastors. But see, I want to be able to say to you, when I send you to Selwyn and Jan for counseling about your marriage, it's like me and Pastor Depp sent down with you. I have confidence. I have confidence that when I send Jimmy March to to the hospital to to visit you, I, I have confidence that it's just like I was there. He carries what I have and we carry what the Lord has. And we've got to, in order for this discipleship thing to work, we've got to be able to give and receive from each other in the body of Christ. If not, if we don't, we limit ourselves because it's limited. We spend our times with with leaders in and, 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 and the body and, and meet with them on a regular basis and disciple them and, and 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 live life with them. But we've got to figure out how to do that among ourselves, and we all need mentors in every area of life—spiritually, relationally, financially going to Financial Peace University, and we're, we're going to develop financial coaches, and we want to develop marriage coaches, and, and we want to help you in every area of your life. And, and as most of you know, I've not always been a pastor. I had success in the business world, and, and always in my jobs, I always looked for somebody who was further down the road from me to be my mentor, not somebody so far down the road that I couldn't even see their dust. But somebody far enough down the road that I could see where they were headed. I could see they were going to where I needed to go. And I knew they could help me get there. And so I, I didn't ask them, will you be my mentor? That, that kind of scares people. But I said this, hey, I'm new at this job. I'm new in this position. I know you've been successful at it for a while. Do you mind if I call you occasionally for a little advice? And they always said, Yes. And whenever I needed it, I would call them and they would give me help. And I've got all these people in various stages in my life, in various parts of my different careers, who were mentors to me, who helped me uh, grow in what I was doing. Deb and I have always had mentors in life. We've had marriage mentors and child-rearing mentors and financial mentors. We didn't even know how to do a budget or or to do anything financially until somebody in the church cared enough to sit down with us and show us how to do it. We've had church planning mentors and and marriage mentors and leadership mentors. We wouldn't be where we are without them. So, uh, all of us need that in the different areas of, of life. Each one needs us, each of us needs somebody to look up to uh, to help guide us along the way. Who, who's your Paul? Who can you look up to? For me, Pastor Olin has been for over 40 years. He's he's been a mentor in my life. My own father, Pastor Olin, they're like my two fathers. I have my own father who's 90, who's been in ministry for 70 years. Obviously, I'm going to call him with questions. Pastor Olin, I'm going to call him. We all need that, a Paul, a mentor, somebody to pour into us. But we all need a Timothy, somebody we can pour in, an apprentice, a, a younger, less mature version of yourself that you can pour into So you're getting poured into, and you're pouring into somebody else. And helping others grow is what helps us grow. It's the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. That's not just for money. It's for everything. In Proverbs 11, 24 through 25, the Bible says, Some people give much, but get back even more. Others don't give what they should and end up poor. Whoever gives to others will get richer. Those who help others, listen, will themselves be helped. We normally apply this to giving money, and that's a correct application. It is a correct application. But sowing and reaping, as I said, affects every area of our lives, including our spiritual growth. So when we help others grow in their faith, guess what? We grow in our faith. When we help others grow in the Word, we grow in the Word. If we don't help others, we end up poor. Not financially, I'm talking here. Poor in our faith. Poor in our maturity. Helping others grow causes you to grow. I know who gets the most. I know beyond this, out of a doubt, who gets the most out of my sermons. Me. I'm hoping it's you most of the time, but it's me. <laughs> I study all week long. And I learn things that I do not have time to, the time to put into these messages. There's so much that's left on the cutting room floor that you have to edit out for the sake of time. So I learn way more than I share up here. I know I get more out of it than, than anybody. And, and, and That is so true. So if you want to learn, teach. Now listen close. There's a lot of people in churches who are stagnant. They, they feel stagnant. They're not growing. They're not changing. And usually they blame the church. So they change churches. But eventually they get stagnant at the new church. It's new for a while, it's different for a while, but then they get stagnant again and and so they blame that church and they move to a different church and they stay in this continual cycle of stagnancy and and changing churches, not realizing that, that the problem is not the churches. See, if you have a problem with every single church, chances are the churches aren't the problem. Listen, listen close. The problem is these people are like the Dead Sea rather than the Sea of Galilee. What do I mean by that? I'll show you a couple pictures here of the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. We've been there. Seen them both. By the way, we're planning on taking another trip to Israel. This is a side note. In September of next year, September 2023, right, John? John Young is putting this together. And so that is like a year and June, July, August, September. A year and four months. So it's giving you time to save up to go on that trip. That's why we gave it a long time. And we're going to have a meeting pretty soon to share about it, uh, and about the trip. And it's, we've been before. It's amazing. We've been around the world. and I'm telling you, there's nothing like going to Israel. And so I want you all to begin to pray about that, think about that. But, but Sea of Galilee is one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, Dead Sea, one of my least favorite places on earth. You can smell that thing. For miles away. It's nasty. Yep. And the an interesting thing is, you know, the Sea of Galilee is a lush valley. It's full of life, full of fish, full of life there. The Dead Sea is a dry, barren sea. Nothing can grow there. By the way, that, the Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth, lowest elevation. It's 1,400 feet below sea level. Nothing can come out of there. Both, those, both of those are fed by the same Jordan River. I'm going to show you a map here, and hopefully you can see that. But can you all see that? So up at the top, the north of Israel, you have, right? Capernaum is on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. That's in the north. Dead Sea is all the way down here in the south. Jordan River comes down, flows into the Sea of Galilee, and out of the Sea of Galilee And down, and by the way, when I say down, it's not just south. It is down, downhill all the way to 14 feet below sea level, down to the Dead Sea. Why two lakes fed by the same river, why is one full of life and one dead? The answer is that the Jordan River flows in and out of the Sea of Galilee. It flows through. It flows down to the sea of the Dead Sea where there there is no outlet. It stops there. Because there is no outlet, the water in the Dead Sea is stagnant, dead, and can sustain no life. What we learn from that, that is this inlet with no outlet equals a Dead Sea. Apply that to Christians. Inlet. Pouring in, pouring in, pouring in with no outflow, no outlet, dead Christians. I don't mean physically dead, but spiritually dead. They feel stagnant. They're not experiencing the fullness of the life and the spirit of the life of the word. They just feel like eh, they're blasé. They, they have no energy. They have no life because nothing's flowing through. And they're getting poured into, but they're holding it all in and never letting it out. But Jesus said in John 7, 37, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. What is flowing from within you outward to other people is the living water of God flowing in you and then out of you and through you. Flowing in is not enough. There must be outlets as well as inlets. You must be flow through and you will experience some growth by having a mentor, someone pouring into you. But I'm telling you, you'll receive more growth, when you become a mentor, when you become a disciple maker, when you start pouring into other people. We all need a Paul, but we all need a Timothy. And to grow in faith, we can't just take it all in all the time. We've also got to give out so we can uh, as much as we can to others. Pastor Joe, how do I do that? There's so many ways to do that here. A children's ministry. We have a VBS coming up where we're going to disciple children. I know they need help in VBS. That's an opportunity for you to disciple young children in the Lord. And it doesn't take a lifelong commitment. It's just a few days. But there's children's ministry, youth ministry, small groups. We're going to begin small groups soon in the next couple of months. It's a great place to find friends, to be disciples, to have a mentor, to and to mentor others. And, and if you... Tried small groups before and didn't get anything about it, out of it. Maybe you need to start putting something into it. Maybe it's time for you to get out of the receiving mode, into the giving mode. There's grace journey discipleship classes. There's one-on-one discipleship. There's men and women's breakfast. There's, there's serving on a ministry team. All of these are ways for you to, to give out and not just be a a, a, a a receiver. You've got to become a river, not just a reservoir. You need to be a channel of blessing. Jesus said in Matthew 10:8, freely you have received, freely give. A lot of people think, well, you know, I'm feeling spiritually stagnant. I either need to change churches or read my Bible more or hear more sermons, go to another seminar, do something else. Well, all those are good, but I want you to know the answer is you probably don't just need another sermon or a seminar. Uh, Those Christians are like the Dead Sea. They have all these inlets always taken in but never giving out. To be a disciple maker, we've got to not just take in all we can, but to give out all we can in service to others. Water must flow to stay fresh and healthy, and if all you do is take in without giving out, you'll become a stagnant pool of water with no life in you. That explains why some believers are not growing, why they lack spiritual life. You see, it's possible to attend church, listen to great sermons like this one, read the Bible, and still not have a growing spiritual life. You probably don't need more input. You need more output. You probably don't need to take in more. You need to give out more. You probably don't need to receive more. You need to give more. Freely you have received. Freely give. God's given to you so you freely give to others. God blessed you so you need to begin blessing others. God met your needs so you need to begin meeting the needs of others. God's forgiven you so you should forgive others. God's shown you grace and mercy. You need to show grace and mercy to others. God has accepted you. You need to accept others. God loves you, so you need to love others. God ministers to you, so you need to minister to others. Let the Word of God flow into you and let it flow out to others. Let the Spirit of God flow into you and let it flow out to others. Discipleship demands doing and so start doing the work of the kingdom. I beseech you, my brethren, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Amen! (laughs) So what are you going to do about it? Seriously. Right. What are you going to do? I, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would speak to every single person here, those watching online, yeah. those who hear this in message in the future. God, speak to each one of us and show us one thing, one thing, One thing we can begin doing right now to grow in our faith. One thing we can begin to do to help others grow in their faith. To obey your command. To make disciples. God, we want all you have for us. And I know what you have for us involves us giving it to others. I'm just hearing the word of the Lord even right now. I feel the Lord saying to some of us there are things He wants to give. But he's not giving them until He knows you're going to be someone that will give them on. Pass them on. Not just hoard it. Too many spiritual hoarders keeping everything for themselves. The Lord wants to bless you in abundant ways more than you can ask for or imagine he wants to pour things into you so you can pour into others God help us help us receive that word and to do that word in Jesus name Amen I'm going to ask our prayer team to be down front here if you need prayer you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is a day of salvation. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we would love to pray for you for the power of God to fill you. If you need prayer for healing or deliverance or financial need or your marriage or your family, if you need to pray for somebody else, these are men and women of faith who would love to pray for you and see the hand of God move in your life. Thank you so much for being here today. Love you with all my heart. We're going to sing One more song and then we'll be dismissed.